0: You are listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, we listen to His Excellency Jeppe Kofod, Denmark's Minister for Foreign Affairs, discuss the Kingdom of Denmark in the Arctic. The foreign minister's speech is followed by a Q&A with the audience, moderated by Oliver Ragnar Grímsson, chairman of the Arctic Circle and former president of Iceland. This event originally took place at the 2021 Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavík, Iceland.
1: Well, thank you so much, uh, Chairman Grimson. This is my um, second visit to the Arctic Circle Assembly, and it is a great pleasure to be back. When I participated first time two years ago, I came to understand the importance of this conference. What I found back then, and today, is a true melting pot of ideas, energy, and enthusiasm. Of people who want to contribute to the positive development of the Arctic region. Scientists, politicians, business community, students, and many others who want to give their input. And equally important, who want to get inspiration on how to move forward. And that is why we all are here. We do have tensions in the Arctic because of the geopolitical situation. Today, however, I want to talk about cooperation, about the cooperating Arctic, which is still very much alive and kicking. It is essential for us to cooperate if we want to continue the positive development of the Arctic for the benefit of the people living here. I will also touch upon how we can combine an ambitious climate policy with economic development. In May, I, together with my colleagues from Greenland and the Faroe Islands, met with uh, all my colleagues from the Arctic state here in Reykjavik and adopted both a resolution and the first 10-year strategy for the Council. These two documents are a very solid basis for a future for our future cooperation. And they will, in my view, uh, give the Council an even stronger and also much more visible role. The ministerial also marked uh, the transition from Icelandic to the Russian chairmanship of the Arctic Council. For me, there's no doubt that the Arctic Council is the prime example on how we uh, should cooperate uh, in the Arctic. During the past 25 years, the Council has developed an inclusive approach involving a broad range of stakeholders, representatives from the Arctic states, indigenous people living in the Arctic, and in addition, almost 40 observers and accredited to the Council. This uh, inclusive approach has set the standard for other areas of cooperation. A good example is the uh, agreement on fisheries in the central Arctic Ocean that entered into force earlier this year. Because all the relevant stakeholders were able to participate in the negotiations, the legitimacy of the agreement is very high. This is something we should continue to strive for across the board. There is no doubt that the Arctic is one of the regions of the world most affected by climate change. We have heard it uh, all through the day, and it's right. Recent studies point to an increase in annual temperatures three times higher than the global average, the IPCC report is an urgent warning. We need to act now. Again, the Arctic Council has been instrumental in monitoring and addressing the effects of climate changes. In 2017, we succeeded in agreeing on a collective aspirational goal for the reduction of black carbon emissions by uh, in 2025. The Council's work on climate change is moving in the right direction And we have the tools to be even more ambitious on the climate agenda. In Denmark, we are proving that climate action does not necessarily happen at the expense of economic growth. Actually, it can be a driver for sustainable economic growth and also job creation. We began in Denmark 40 years ago by transforming our electricity production. Now we are taking the next step by phasing out fossil fuels by 2050. Soon, we will build the world's first energy islands. In time, they will have the capacity to supply millions of households with green energy through power to X technology. The green transition is also well underway in Greenland and the Faroe Islands. Yesterday, we had a visit of the Danish and Greenlandic companies here in Reykjavik, where we discussed such innovative solutions. We try to lead by example to inspire others to aim high as well. We need ambition and action to succeed in Glasgow, as we just heard, in order to ensure also just green transition. And I'm fully aware that the green transition in the Arctic is complicated. Nevertheless, I'm convinced that uh, we have the know-how and the willingness to make it happen. I am therefore happy to see that the uh, European Commission and also the European External Action Service want to explore the Arctic uh, and the renewable potential. We should make good use of EU expertise on clean energy technologies and in other areas where EU is at the forefront. We need to make it to uh, make it happen for a better future and also for all our nations to create jobs, innovation, clean air, and better lives. We strive to ensure a balance where economic and social development goes hand in hand with respect of nature and the environment. This too, call uh, can only be achieved through strong cooperation between the people living in the Arctic, businesses and government representatives. We believe, in, we believe that education, promoting innovation, youth engagement and investment, in, for example, new technology and infrastructure are key to ensure sustainable development. Therefore, we appreciate the work of the Arctic Economic Council and its members to facilitate sustainable business development in the Arctic area. This includes its business to business initiative and the development of the Arctic Investment Protocol. Cooperation between uh, the Arctic Council and uh, the AEC is an important tool to bridge the interest between the political work and business communities in the Arctic. Earlier today, I participated in a a panel hosted by uh, the Arctic uh, parliamentarians and AEC, and that debate was really inspiring and an excellent opportunity to learn more about what we need to do at a political level to underpin the economic development across the whole region. Ladies and gentlemen, I've tried to give you a few examples on why we need to cooperate in the Arctic and what we can achieve together. As you can tell, I'm fully convinced that cooperation is the way forward if we want the Arctic region to prosper. And I hope um, and I'm sure we all share this conviction and are willing to strive for it in any and in any, at any given opportunity And I think what I saw today and uh, in the debates and in the speeches and interactions is this energy that we have and the ambition for the Arctic region. And this makes me a great optimist, even though the challenges that we are facing, whether it's climate change, sustainable economic development, the livelihood of the four million people living in the Arctic and the rest of the world, uh, these huge challenges. But I think we can overcome them if we stand together and the Arctic can be a shining example on how the world ought to cooperate in the time we are in. So thank you so much for your attention.
0: Before I ask the, uh, the whole... Can I <clears throat> ask you to, uh, to explain to us? Uh, the Kingdom of Denmark has many Arctic hearts. You have the Kingdom of Denmark heart, and then there's the Greenland heart and the Faroe Islands heart. The Prime Minister of Faroe Islands will speak later on. And then, as we saw earlier today, there is the European Union heart. And I remember when I met President Putin some years ago, and uh, uh, somehow we started talking about whether the European Union should have, be an observer state in the Arctic Council. And Putin said, how many chairs does Denmark want? <laughs> <clears throat> and then he listed, you know, Kingdom of Denmark, Greenland, Faroe Islands, and then the European Union chair. How do you, as the foreign minister of Denmark and the government of Denmark, uh, manage all this balancing act, which must be very complicated. Every Everyone else here just represent. One country, you know, in a way. Uh, and uh, I think all of us would be very interested to to hear from your practical experience. I don't need a theoretical answer about the constitutional position or all this. But as a foreign minister, day to day, year in, year out, how do you juggle all these different balls or hats?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, thank you. I think it's an excellent question, uh, and I could t- talk all night uh, yeah. <laughs> about it. But no, I, I would just say, firstly, I think that um, each of us uh, who are represented in many places, I think we are living in a world, and especially when it comes to act policies, where we need to cooperate. Yeah. And if we have the same uh, course of direction, uh, and I hear thinking about climate change, sustainable economic development, And that's also why I alluded to uh, the Arctic Council, the vision for 2030, the action plan that was adopted here in Reykjavik under Icelandic, uh, I think uh, very sovereign, uh, good, uh, very uh, skillful chairmanship of the Arctic Council. So we have a direction and we have an architecture of how we cooperate with each other. And for me, as a foreign minister of Denmark, I think the most important that we respect people and the different livelihoods and different competences and right to self-determination of people uh, here. That's why I'm always emphasizing as uh, that, in, for example, with Greenland or Faroe Islands, which are part of the unity of the realm or the Kingdom of Denmark, that the aspirations of their governments, what they want to develop, uh, <coughs> is something we support. Uh, I support it very wholeheartedly also, um, uh, the welcoming and reopening of the uh, US uh, consulate in Nuuk, and also now the EU is opening... Um, a representation in, in NUC as well, for example, to strengthen the cooperation with with partners who are, uh, also for Denmark, the most essential both economic and security partners. U.S. is our prime uh, security ally. Uh, we all, in our region, in that part of the region, we, we uh, our prosperity is, is so much linked to more than 70 years of NATO membership uh, and that we have established this foundation that has given Room for growing our economies and our trade and our interactions. So, so I really welcome that that uh, the government in Greenland and Faroe Islands they they want to diversify. They want to be visible. Uh, they want to show uh, the world that they they are strong and they want to develop trade, investments, tourism, uh, sustainable expo- exploitation. And Denmark supports that. And that's for me a modern way of of working together. Uh, three parts. Uh, uh, of a kingdom, in this case in Denmark. So I, I believe in this. And um, and very practically, we have uh, established uh, good relations between the three parts of the Danish kingdom, uh, very practical relations. We have ongoing meetings and, and and look into the same challenges together. And I firmly believe if we stand together as small nations, uh, we can uh, be much stronger.
0: Great. Thank you very much. So let's take some questions. Yes, the phone here in the in the middle of the hall. Yes.
2: Thank you. I'm Lisa Lotta Otgard from the Norwegian Institute for Defense Studies and Hudson Institute in D.C. I would like to return to the geopolitics. Uh, now that you mentioned NATO and asked two questions. The, the Greenland representative mentioned that you had agreed to give Greenland and the Faroe Islands a larger role uh, in Arctic issues. What will that matter for security policies coming out of the Kingdom of Denmark? What kind of role will they have? You mentioned NATO and a lot of the Arctic nations are NATO uh, members or partners and they're very active but NATO doesn't really itself have a big role. What role if, do you see for NATO in the Arctic in future? Thank you.
1: Well, thank you for that question. First of all, uh, the, the whole principle that guides also my own government is we are together, the three parts of the kingdom, Greenland, Faroe Islands, and Denmark, on common issues. So when there are security challenges in, in the Arctic, then we deal with it together. And we are working uh, on an equal footing with this. Well knowing that we have uh, the Danish constitution that is a, the legal framework for, for, our, um, uh, for our unity of the realm. But we work together and we work in partnership and we face the challenges together. We share intelligence, we share analysis, we discuss. And I have personally, um, you know, uh, since I took office two and a half years ago as foreign minister, been many, uh, several times in the Faroe Islands and Greenland discussing of course, with like, governmental partners, but also with the parliaments about uh, what we see and what the challenges are. So we believe in this respectful, inclusive uh, approach uh, where we we need to face the security environment together because there are changes in the Arctic, no doubt. Uh, we see more activities, also military activities, that we have to be aware of. And we have to protect our interests uh, as sovereign nations, Greenland, Faroe Islands, and and Denmark. So that is the idea, and I think it works well. Um, but we are always improving and learning, uh, also from each other.
0: So let's take one more question. If anybody raises the hand very quickly, yes, there, please. Okay.
2: So, Minister, thank you very much for your fine talk. Uh, my name is Trusty. Thristy Valsson, I am uh, Professor Emeritus of Planning at the University of Iceland. I gave a talk this morning. Uh,
0: Come on, let's get the question. Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, okay. Because we are running out of time. Okay,
2: Uh, the the talk was uh, Plan B. Um, If the warming cannot be stopped, I think that uh, this needs, plan uh, needs to be done. And uh, w- do you think uh, Denmark or the Arctic Council can, uh, can have a role in initiating this necessary Plan B for the planet? A Plan Thank you. B for the planet. Yeah. If <laughs> if if the warming cannot be stopped, uh, I'm not saying it's terrible, and we should try to do everything we can in, to stop them. But in every big project, there is always a Plan B. And we in Iceland are working it. it's actually... Uh, yeah.
0: so, I'm sorry, time is running out, we have got the question. Yes. Sure. Plan B.
1: Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think we should have... I mean, plan B, we cannot move to another planet. I mean, we need... I think we need to deal with it now. And everything we have to do up to COP26 in Glasgow, we need to raise ambitions. But not only that, we also need to show, in practical terms, that we can deliver on... Uh, you know, reducing emissions and staying within 1.5 degrees—that uh, is, of course, the the boundary that we have. If we do not achieve that, then I don't know what we will do, because then we will leave a planet for our kids and grandkids that we—that this that is, is um, of course, a, a catastrophe, and and we should not get there. I think we have our our generation of politicians, uh, also business leaders, investors, all of us, civil society. We have now a very urgent responsibility to deliver. And and this is something my government is very keen on and we are working with everybody who shares this ambition. We have no we, we do not want a plan B, we want to deliver on plan A. Thank you.
0: Great Minister, thank you very much indeed.